chapter 1. If you're new to Grace, we're going to throw these scriptures up on the screen so you can follow along. If you have your phone, get into a Bible app and follow us there. We want to, if you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, I want to thank you for being a part of Grace today. Thank you for joining with us online. I'm going to finish a series that we started a couple weeks ago called The Unwasted Life, the unwasted life. I got this particular title from a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. He told three parables in the entire chapter, a parable about, about a lost uh, coin, a lost sheep, and ultimately one of the great parables that many of you know about, the parable of the prodigal son. And it says this about the prodigal son. We know there was two sons who went to their father and they said, listen, I want my money and I want it now. And so the father gave him his money. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 15 that he went off and he wasted his money with prodigal living, right? He wasted his money with prodigal living. The word prodigal actually means wasteful. So listen, he wasted his goods, he wasted his money with wasteful living, right? So listen, we've all wasted money, right? I mean, we've all blown money. We've all had money, and then all of a sudden, where did it go? And we don't know. I can't account for it. Let's say I had $100. I don't know. what Just gone. You know, it just seems like it just disappeared. And it's one thing to waste money. It's another thing to waste a life, right? See, listen, I don't want to waste my life. In fact, I don't want to waste one single day of my life. I don't want to waste a week. I don't want to waste a month. I don't want to waste a decade. Come on now. I want to live a life that is unwasted. And to do that, we have to step into purpose. So you can be busy and there can be activity. You could be building a business. You could be doing all sorts of things. But if you're not fulfilling God's purpose for your life, then you have not stepped into what God has wants you to do. And at the end of your days, at the end of your life, you're going to look back and you're going to go, hey, you listen, I think I missed it. I think I, I did some things and I, I built some wealth and I built a business and I had some great vacations and I had a good time and I've got lots of memories to show for it, right? And those are all good things. Those are necessary things. We need all of those things, but you have to step into your purpose, your God-given purpose. Listen, I said this last week, your career is what you're paid for, but your purpose is what you're made for, right? You have to understand, I was made for something. Listen, I was made for something. There's a reason why I exist. We said it today. Listen, God, you formed me. You put, it to, you put me together. I'm not here by accident. And I don't just mean here on this earth or here in this room. I mean that you are here in South Florida. You're sitting in that seat. You're on this earth. All of it, the totality of it, all of the choices that you have made throughout your life brought you to this moment. And you are sitting in this seat, not by accident, but by divine purpose by divine arrangement, by divine appointment. Hallelujah. God puts you here for a reason. Amen. There's a reason why you made it to 2021. God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. Amen. You're not the product of some random assembly line. God formed you with his own hands. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. And he put destiny and purpose on the inside of you. And so I said there's three keys to finding your purpose. And the first one is perspective. Perspective. Perspective says this, where I'm at determines what I see. 
Where I am determines what I see. If you're on this side of the room versus the other side of the room, you have two different perspectives. And so you have to gain perspective. Jesus said this, I'm going to prepare a place for you in John chapter 14. He wasn't just talking about heaven. Listen, there is a place. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, there is a place for you in heaven, right? Heaven's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be better than any words can describe. But how many of you know you have have a place here and now. Amen. You have a place on this earth. Jesus went to the cross when he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, I'm going to the cross to prepare a place for you so that I can take you where I am so that you have to gain perspective. And the perspective is this. You have to see yourself two places. First, in Christ. In Christ. That means I'm not a worm. I'm not beneath. I'm not a nobody. I am in Christ. I'm not in the middle of all my problems. I'm not underneath all my problems. The Bible says I'm seated with him in heavenly places. That means I'm far above all of my problems. Amen. I gain perspective. I see myself in Christ. Hallelujah. I belong to Jesus. Amen. I'm in Christ. And so the first place you have to see yourself is in Christ. And then I said this several weeks ago. You also have to see yourself in church. That you're in church, man. I belong somewhere. I've got a church family. I've got a pastor who'll marry and bury me. Ooh, hallelujah. He'll care for my soul. He'll pray for me. I got a place I can go to when life begins to overwhelm me. I'm not alone. I'm not some random person just kind of floating. I belong to a family. Psalm 68 says this, God sets the solitary in families. Hallelujah. And so you belong to a church family. God wants you to put down roots and say, these are my brothers. These are my sisters. This is where I fit. This is where I can serve. This is where I can give. This is where my talents can be used for God's purpose. Amen. I belong in church. Hallelujah. You have to see yourself in church. You have to see yourself in Christ. And then I second, the second thing I said, the second key to finding your purpose, I said last week is passion. Because nothing derails you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life like a lack of passion. And I've just seen it over and over. I've seen people living without passion. And I just think, what happened? When did life go sideways? When did, you, when did you lose it? Was it when you stepped out of high school and you thought, okay, the world was going to be mine and then something happens and, and all of a sudden you've gone through a few relationships and, and there's been some hurt, there's been some wounds and all of a sudden you've lacked now for years, maybe even decades, passion. I want you to know you can get the fire back again. Listen to me. Passion is not personality. Sometimes we meet those people that are just high energy, and you just go, wow, that's so passionate. Passion is not personality. You can, you can be someone who's very reserved and still be very passionate for the things of God. Amen? You don't have to be the loudest person in the room to be passionate. Hallelujah. 
You can be quiet and be very passionate. Passionate is not personality, and it's not even necessarily energy. Passion is just this fire to serve God, to do what God has called me to do. I feel like there's something inside of me that God has called me to do, and I will not rest. I will not just take it easy. I'm not going to coast through life and get to the end of my days and go, what happened? There was no fire. There was no passion. I ought to do it back again because, listen, we don't get another chance. This is it. Hallelujah. And we got to have some fire. And so I talked last week about getting some passion back, right? Because Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is talking to the churches, and he's talking to one particular church, and he says this in Revelation chapter 2. He says, hey, I know you. You're doing a lot of things well. And he says this in Revelation 2.5. He says, I know your works. Huh? I know that, that you're, you're doing some great things, and, and man, you're doing this well and this well. And I know that, that you, you things that are good, you, you embrace those. The things that are evil, you reject those, and you test those that are apostles. He says this, but I have this against you. You have left, not lost, you've left your first love. At some point, in all of these good things... Come on now, you're going to church, you're, you're singing, you're paying your tithes, you're doing all these things, but you're doing them wrong because you're doing them without the fire. You're doing them without passion. You're just going through the motions of Christianity, and there's no passion there. Whew. And so it says this. He says, I've got I to tell you there's a path back. And he says this. He said, remember from where you've fallen. And do the first works over again. Remember where you fall. Do the first works over again. I gave you three keys last week to really getting that fire back. And the first one is this. You have to sanctify your emotions. You got to sanctify your emotions. You got to remember some things. You got to go back in your memory banks to when there was some passion and some fire. Listen, if you've lost a fire, remember where you lost it. You know, listen, I was, I was a teenager. I was radically saved. I was on fire for God. My youth group was, we were radical, man. Every Friday night, I said every Friday night, we went down to Lake Worth Beach, and we began to witness at Lake Worth Beach. Every Friday night of my teenage life, we'd go on the streets witnessing. I've been to Mardi Gras, New Orleans, witnessing. I've been to Fantasy Fest down in Key West, witnessing. I've been to the Super Bowls and bowl games, doing all these things, passing out tracks, praying for people. I mean, we just, we just, we were passionate about the things of God. And I remember, I remember that I would go behind my house and we had this one tree that I would sit by and at night I would just pray and pray and pray and pray at night. And if I ever feel the passion beginning to wane from my life, if I ever have one of those days, one of those weeks when I just don't feel it, I have to remember those days and go, hey, hey, Brian, remember? Remember when you'd go pray? Right? Get it back again. Get it back again. Fan the flame again. I don't want my teenage years to be my greatest years spiritually. I still believe the best is yet to come. 
I still believe you hadn't seen nothing yet. Come on now. I still believe that the fire can get hotter. Hallelujah. I believe that the good old days were good, but the best is still yet to come. That tomorrow looks better than yesterday. That God still has purpose for your life. And listen to me, church. If you're still breathing, God is not done with you yet. Hallelujah. There's passion that can still be lifted up and and fired up inside of you. Hallelujah. Sanctify your emotions. And then you got to start back at the beginning. Okay, where was that place? He said this, repent and do the first works over again. Go back to that starting point. Go back to that starting point. Ask yourself this. Where was I in the timeline of my life when I was doing my best spiritually? And say, what was I doing at that moment? I bet you were getting up early and praying. I bet you were opening up your Bible. I bet you were in church. I bet you were worshiping. Do that again. Go back to the starting point. Hallelujah. And then the last one is this. Remember that there's a finish line. You got to see it. You got to see a finish line. Listen, my goal is to be the oldest man that ever lived. I'm going to beat all y'all. You understand? I want to be 120 and still going for God. But I want to live like this is the last sermon I'm ever going to preach. This is the last week I'm ever. I want to live with such passion, right? Because I don't want to take life for granted. Listen to me. Life is here one minute. It's gone the next. It just goes by. How many of you got grown kids that have left the house? What happened how quick did that go by? They were just in diapers running around. I'm going to depress some of y'all. Just in diapers running around, and pooh. Next thing you know, they're teenagers eating everything in your house. You can't get enough food to feed them. And the next thing you know, they're going off to college. The next thing you know, they're getting married. Next thing you know, they're having grandkids. I'm not there yet, but I'm ready Soon, life goes by quickly. And if we don't wake up and get some fire, right, it's going to pass us right by. So you got to understand, there's a, there's a finish line to this thing. You don't get to do it over. You get one shot at life. The soap opera is right. you got one life to live. That's it. You just got one. All right? So you got to have some passion, amen? you got to understand, okay, let's go for it. we got to go for this thing. So you have to have passion. And the last one I want to give you is this, prayer, right, prayer. Some of you are going, oh, I knew, I knew at some point, you better believe it. There's no way I could talk about the purpose of God and you stepping into God's will, God's plan for your life and not mention prayer. I just can't do it. You have got to learn how to pray. Because here's the thing. It's this daily dialogue with God that is going to set you up, right, to know the plan of God, the purpose of God, to step into the will of God. It's this daily dialogue with God that you have got to have. It will cause you to step into your purpose. Here's what prayer does for us. I want to give you three things prayer does for us. Number one, prayer gives us peace. It gives us peace. And it helps drown out the chaos of life. Listen, this month, this month, March, 
we just marked the 12-month anniversary of the two weeks to flatten the curve. Some of you watch the news. You laughed at that. Others are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Thank God you turned off the news. Good for you. A year, a year ago, we were supposed to social distance to flatten the curve. It was just going to take us two weeks. We're going to get rid of this whole thing. It's been a year now. Right? And you say, well, Pastor, how much longer does it have to go? I don't know because here's what, here's, here's what happened to me. It ended for me a long time ago. The stress of it, gone. Hallelujah. The anxiety, gone. The worry, gone. Amen. It ended for me a long time ago. Now, listen, it got me for a little while. It got me. When this thing happened, I thought, oh, my goodness. We may have to go straight online. We may not be able to gather in the building. What in the world? And I'm watching And I'm thinking to myself, oh, the finances, the devil's talking, he's in my ear, the finances are going to go down, people are going to leave the church, you're never going to see some people again. Well, that was true, we've been missing some people, all right? I thought to myself, oh my, I've got the grocery store, I can't find chicken, meat is scarce, and I thought, if I have to go vegan, kill me now, just take me Jesus. I'm never going to make it to be the oldest man on earth because I'm going to die if I don't get some meat. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) That was for all you vegans out there, all right? So it got me too. But then guess what? I prayed. Come on now. I prayed, and here's what happened. Peace began to envelop my soul, and God began to tell me, hey, it's going to be okay. And do you know what? I thought that finances were going to skyrocket down. Do you know 2020 was the best year we ever had financially? Listen, in the history of this church. Woo! Hallelujah. And I talked to a pastor friend of mine, and I told him that, and he said, guess what? 2020 was our best year too. Take that, devil. Come on now. He tried to kill the church. He tried to empty our buildings. He tried to shut us down. He tried to keep us from gathering, to clap our hands, to lift our hands, to worship him. But I got news for him. Listen, the church is filling back up. People are coming back. Amen. We're going to keep worshiping. If we got to go out to trees, to streets, listen, we're going to worship God. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, we've got to learn as a church how to pray to get that peace that comes. Because Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. It says, don't be anxious. huh? Don't get into fear and worry. He says this, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, watch this part, that surpasses all understanding. Doesn't even make sense. In the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the storm, can't find meat. Come on now. They're telling you all sorts of things. You're watching as the world's going crazy. They're printing paper, not money. Come on now. They're just doing all sorts. In the middle of all of that, you're just going, ooh, it's going to be okay for me. I don't know how, but it's going to be okay for me. I've got peace. Amen. You need peace. And when you pray, peace comes. The second thing you need is wisdom. You need wisdom. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. You've got to have some wisdom. Listen, we all need wisdom. Why? Because we all lack wisdom. 
I'm not one of those people, I have no problems asking for help. I start to do a project at my house, and I call Mark Cushel right away. I got him on speed dial. I go to Home Depot, and I have to call Mark. Mark, where is this? And he'll say, it's aisle 12. It's in the, it's in the second bay. It's going to cost you $5.95. He's got Home Depot memorized. He's got the whole store memorized. He walks in, and they go, Mark. That's what happens when he walks in. That's a true story. So I have no problem. You know why? Because years ago, I thought to myself, I'm going to change the handle on the shower. How hard can this be? How hard can it be? I got this. $400 later, (laughs) the professional plumber is leaving my house going, thank you very much for that $400. I was just changing out a handle. I thought I got this. I had YouTube. He says, I make a living off YouTube. I'm now going to ask first before I try to do anything. I'm one of those people, I'm going to ask. I get lost, I'm going to find somebody, I'm going to ask. And the Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, if you need wisdom, watch this, ask. Ask for wisdom. When you're in your prayer closet, say, God, I don't know what to do about my kids. I don't know what to do about my marriage. I don't know what to do about my finances. I don't know what to do. The next step, I don't know. I don't know. I need wisdom. Come on now. I need wisdom. Listen, it's God's kind of wisdom, right? God's wisdom can see through the circumstances. Did you hear me now? God's wisdom now can see through what what we can't see. We are bound by our senses, What looks good, tastes good, feels good, right? If it makes sense, if it's logical, God's wisdom goes beyond that. It pulls back the curtain, hallelujah, and you could see what's really going on. The third thing you need is faith. Prayer gives us faith, right? It gives us faith to to take that next step, that next step with God. Listen, we all need faith. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Now, that word, word right there, there's two Greek words that are translated word. One is logos. It is the written word of God. It is your Bible, right? And you need to read your Bible. Remember, we said this a couple weeks ago, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I'll be a broken record, pastor. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. But that particular verse, talking about faith, says this. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the different word. It's the word rhema. It's the spoken word of God. Remember I said, how does does prayer happen to get us into our, our purpose? It is a dialogue. It is us speaking and then us shutting our mouth for a little while. And saying, God, now you speak. You speak. And when he speaks, faith comes. My wife and I were living in North Florida. Right? We were living in North Florida. And we were doing well. I mean, we were pastoring a church up there. I had grown up here. I had attended a church here nearly all my life. I left the church. I was sent out. They laid hands on me. I was sent out to go be an intern. Then I ultimately, be a, I was a youth pastor for five years. And then I was a, a lead pastor, senior pastor up in North Florida for five more years. 
And things were rolling well. We took over a church that had 15 people. We got up to like 80 people in a small town. And, and, and the building was paid off. And, and we were doing well. And, and, but I knew God had something different. I just didn't know what. But I thought I'd be there at least 10 years. I thought, okay, I'll probably pastor here about 10 years. And then God will move me into my next. Right? And so I wasn't going anywhere. I didn't have any plans to go anywhere. But I went down to an altar at a youth camp just to pray with some of my teenagers. And I was at this altar, and God spoke to me at the altar, and he said, you're going to pastor a church called Trinity. And as clear as I heard the voice of God ever in my life, I heard God that day. So I went back home, and Cynthia and I talked. And it wasn't just a short time after that. I drove from North Florida back down to Lake Worth to have a meeting with my pastor who's been my pastor now for 42 years. And I said, Pastor, what do you think about us partnering together to launch a church? And he said, Brian, would you consider the Western communities? Would you, would you plant a church maybe in Wellington? I said, let me pray about that. Yes. That was an easy one again. Right? And so... We planted this church, what was then called Trinity, because he said, would you mind if we called it Trinity? <laughs> I said, would I mind? That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. But let me tell you, that all sounds great, but let me tell you what a leap of faith it was. Up there, we were living up in North Florida. I, w I was paying rent. My rent up there was, I think, $400 a month. It was a stretch, right? It was a stretch to even get that. That was my rent. And I came down here to live in Palm Beach County. How I many of you ain't getting no house in Palm Beach County for $400? It's not going to happen. And so I took a full-time job at Trinity, and they paid me as an intern $500 a month. And Cynthia took a, a part-time job, and then I got another part-time job, valet parking at night. And I did that for a year and a half, and we just did it. And it was a leap of faith, because you talk about stretching a dollar. It was, it was faith to even buy chicken. You know what I'm saying? Like, we had to have faith just to get meat. And I mean, we, we were living, but we knew this was God. How do you take that kind of leap of faith? We knew it was God. Why? Because God spoke. In a time of prayer, I heard his voice. Amen? You need to hear the voice of God. Watch this. If you're in Mark, Mark chapter 1, I want to read something to you. Mark chapter 1. It says this in verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon who those were, and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Watch verse 38. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Woo, hallelujah. Jesus would go to the desert he'd go to a mountaintop he'd go into a garden and he had this routine on a consistent regular basis of finding a place to pray 
And when he came out of his prayer closet, and he even says it right here, he stepped into purpose. Out of the closet into purpose. He says, now I'm going. Let's go to the next town. I spent some time praying. I got peace. Come on now. Hallelujah. I got some wisdom. I got some faith. I'm ready to step into some more purpose. Hallelujah. This is what happens when we pray. And apart from a consistent, deep prayer life, we will never fulfill the plan and purpose of God for our life. We can't do it. We have to hear God's voice. You need peace, you need wisdom, and you need faith. So I want to give you three things real quick. I'm going to end with this. Three things. These are going to be very quick. Just some keys to deepen your prayer life. Because if I was to ask you this, listen, look at me for just a minute. If I was to ask you this, how many of you would say, Pastor, I pray too much. My prayer life is so deep. It is so deep, right? Nobody says that. I don't, I don't say that either. None of us. How many of you know we all could deepen our prayer life? I don't care how deep you are. There's something called deeper. Amen? You never graduate with this thing. You've never arrived. There's no prayer diploma. Come on now. We're all learning, and we all can get better, and we all can get deeper. So I want to give you three keys to deepen your prayer life. And the first one is this. You have to find a consistent place to pray. You have to. It could be the back porch. It could be a kitchen table. It could be a bedroom. It could be the car. It could be whatever. But it's got to be consistent. And it's got to be something that you go to. It's your go-to place to pray. Let me ask you this. Where is your go-to place? Because intimacy requires a place. Listen, intimacy requires a place, a private place. You cannot be intimate in public. I've seen that. I was at the South Florida Fair. Come on now. And I'm sitting there just trying to eat a sausage with peppers and onions. I'm having a spiritual, spiritual moment. And there's two teenagers off to the side of me. And I'm looking at them. And they're swallowing each other. You know what I'm saying? And... The first thought that crosses my mind is, where's her dad? Because I want to slap him. It wasn't, it wasn't a Christian moment. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that was good. I'm just, I'm just telling you like it is. And I thought, no, that's not what you do at 13A or in public. I don't do that with my wife. Intimacy requires a place, a private place. And so you need to get alone with God. Amen? You need to find that consistent place where you could go. Hallelujah. And the second thing you need is you need a, a consistent time. Find a consistent time to pray. Because every one of you in this room, I mean every one of you, do the same thing. Every night and every morning, you look at your phone. I guarantee you, Maybe not everybody in this room. There's a few of you that, that have just resisted. You've, you've been holding out. But most of us, it's the first thing we look at before we go to bed and the first thing we pick up in the morning. And it's got this setting called alarm. And you could set multiples. If you're one of those people that needs multiple alarms, you could set multiple alarms. Amen. And so just set it. Here's what you do. You set an appointment to meet with God. 
hmm, I'm going to meet with God every day. 6 a.m., I got an appointment with God. 6.30, I got an appointment with God. Breakfast with Jesus. Noon, that's when some of you get up. Whoo, come on now. You need to change that, but you set an appointment. Lunch with Jesus. All right, I get it. Whenever you get up in the morning, you find a consistent time to pray. And you go to bed and say, God, okay, I'm going to meet you tomorrow morning. We're going to meet together at 5. We're going to meet together at 6. We're going to meet together at 7. I'm going to spend 30 minutes. I'm going to spend 45 minutes. I'm going to pray. And then watch this third one. You ready? Find an inconsistent rhythm. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Don't let it become routine. Because if it becomes routine, huh? If all of a sudden you're doing the same thing every day like a robot, that's not a relationship. That's just a business transaction. Come on now. And so when I go into my prayer closet, I mean, I almost always read my Bible first, but not always. And I've got sets of song lists ready to go. I've got so many songs that I can't pray enough to get through all the songs because I don't want to hear the same songs over and over again. I, I like to change it up. And so some days you'll go into your prayer closet and God will say, hey, you start with worship today. And some days he'll say, hey, you start by opening up the Bible and get into the Psalms, get into Proverbs. Just be inconsistent in your rhythm, huh? In a consistent place and a consistent time. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come. Listen to me, I can't even tell you again how important this is to you finding your purpose. Because I can't tell you what it is. I wish that I could just pray over you and say, this is your purpose. I wish that I could just have you come up and I could prophesy and God will speak and you know exactly what God's call is on your life, what God's plan is. I wish I could tell you exactly the next step to take, but I can't. You have to get that from God. You have to. And to do that, you've got to find a place. Listen to me, church. And you've got to find some time. Hmm? And you've got to get in there and you've got to say, okay, God, I don't want this to be so routine. It's the same thing every morning. I do the same thing. I read the same prayers. I say the same thing. No, I want to come in here and go, okay, God, it's me and you. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I'm just going to sit for a moment. I'm going to listen for your voice. If you want me to read my Bible, I'll stop and I'll open up the scriptures. If you want me to worship for a little while, I'll worship. If you want me to just listen to your voice, here I am. Hallelujah. And watch what happens. You get peace, you get wisdom, you get faith. All of those things come for you to take the next step with God. The next step. Because if you're still breathing, come on now. If you are still breathing, God is not done. He's not done with you. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?